Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There is something standing in our way. There's a barrier that stops most Christians in this country today from making any real headway in the Christian life. And uh, by Christian life, I don't just mean sort of the feelings or the thoughts that we might have, but I mean the, the real pilgrimage that our soul takes in its journey towards God. Uh, This thing, I think, is stopping us. It's not an external constraint. It's not something imposing us against our will. It's something that we actually choose for ourselves. A distraction that keeps us occupied and actually, I think, makes us forget most of the time that we really are on this spiritual pilgrimage toward our God. The thing I'm describing is our consumption of media. The things we imbibe each and every day on the internet, on our phones, on our laptops, on the radios, on our TVs, at home, in the car, on the big screen, anywhere. I mean, just try and think for a moment what a huge portion of our lives this really is. Try and add up, kind of quick calculate in your head, add up all those things. How much time do you think you spend a day taking in media? It might be the web or TV shows, the news, sports, movies, whatever it might be. They actually, there was a huge Nielsen study last year that found that the average adult, so not teenagers who watch TV all the time, but the average adult in this country watches how many hours, or sorry, takes in how many hours of media total a day, would you guess? What would you guess? Ten and a half hours. That's the average, which means there's people who take in more than that. Ten and a half hours of media intake. And that's not counting texting or emails, which would be classified as communication. That's just stuff which someone produced as content taken in. Ten and a half hours. Now, I assume most of you are sort of on the lower side of that average and that it's kind of balancing it out a bit. But let's just say your intake is maybe half that. That might be a reasonable working assumption. Maybe um, between news and movies and radio shows and the web, uh, maybe five hours a day maybe if I were to guess like an average kind of in for this parish. When you think about it, it's still an enormous portion of our lives. They've done some efficiency studies in the workplace. When you factor in distractions and bathroom breaks, most people don't do more than five hours work a day, right? Even if it's normally an eight or nine, ten hour work day, we're doing about five hours work. So hours to hours, our media intake is the most formative thing in our day. It's the most formative thing in our lives because we are, we're creatures of habit. It was Aristotle who rightly observed that um, we are what we do repeatedly. I think that's, that's sort of a maxim that has shaped a lot of how I think about things. The more we do something, the more that thing shapes our hearts, our affections, our minds, and even our bodies, right? I mean, how many things are there? You hear like every year some study about how much time we're spending at computers that's like ruining our posture. I mean, these things are actually shaping our bodies. And we become patterned along the lines of the thing we do repeatedly. We are what we do repeatedly. 
And what we do very repeatedly, apparently, in America is, is take in media. Now, I'm not trying to say that all media is bad. Like, not at all, right? Um, I, there have been nature documentaries that have led me to a much greater appreciation of God's creation. Um, there have been movies, uh, even secular movies, which have God's used to reveal really powerful spiritual pictures and insights into things. So I, I'm not against, I'm not one of these, like, don't have any media. I'm just trying to... Um, point out a few things. I'm not preaching against media as a category. What I'm wanting to offer a word about this morning is about the quantity uh, and the quality of the media that we take in. I think both of these things, the quantity and the bad quality, in their different ways, uh, lead us away from God. Or they prevent us from getting to God in the first place. They're a distraction. Uh, And I'm actually convinced that this is one of, if not the greatest, uh, one of the greatest obstacles in our spiritual life in America. That we become so distracted by constant media noise, the blasting of radios, TVs in public spaces. When they came out with those things at Applebee's where there's like a TV on your table, I just wanted to throw up. It's like, can we not go one second without having a TV in front of our eyes? And all these things, what they've done is they've um, removed silence from our day and silence for the Christian has always been the invitation to prayer. Get rid of silence and you can kind of cut prayer off at the root. I think our eyes have become so inundated with millions of images from billboards to Facebook ads that we're kind of tired of looking and we therefore don't have any energy to look for the unseen God who's harder to find than a billboard, right? And I think we've, on top of all the quantity, I think we've taken in so much that's uh, immoral and, and inwardly corrupting that our inner world of what we are attracted to and how our affections are stirred and what fills our imagination. I mean, Jesus said, the pure in heart are those who can see God. I think the things we're taking in through the media are actively working against purity of heart. So um, what I want to offer, if this is true, if this really is um, one of the greatest obstacles in our age to to, to our true Christian life, what I offer is, if now or or in the future you feel sort of... um, unimpressed by God and like the the Christian life that you sort of look at the progress you made over the years and are unimpressed by that or just sort of feel like the whole thing has not been very fruitful the first thing I'd recommend would be to take an axe to media use and then see what happens I I, I promise you actually because God is real it will allow more fruit to thrive Um, only if we clear away the quantity and the bad quality of the media will we be able to clear some space I think, for our our souls to come out of hiding and really uh, seek to know God and love him. So I want to get down to a few brass tacks. Um, I'd like to offer sort of a a one one person's vision, my vision of uh, of a Christian use, a right use of of media. And just to be clear, um, the great danger in a sermon like this is to sort of do what the Pharisees do, which is to like go beyond what the law and what the gospel says. Like, I'm not offering the sermon as like, this is for salvation, not at all, right? The only thing Jesus says necessary for salvation is to trust in him uh, and then to be baptized. Um, So this is not about salvation. This is not a should, like, oh, we have to do this. I'm just wanting to offer this as like a perspective. Um, I'm going to try a sports metaphor, so we'll see how this goes. (laughs) You who know me know I don't know anything about any sports. But I think it's like, football team's playing and there's a hole in the defense and uh, the or whatever that li- the line <laughs> and um, the quarterback keeps getting sacked and the coach can see the hole and it's like oh here's the hole I'm just trying to point out that 
Um, did, that, did that metaphor work? Hey, great, okay. Got a thumbs up from the football fans in the back. Um, the, so this is not about trying to say like, oh no, just add some more burdens. I wanted to offer this as a tool for like, if you want to bring more, vi- more vigor and, and joy and, and depth to your own Christian experience. Is that clear that I'm not adding to the, what Jesus requires of salvation? Good, okay. Um, so, okay. So having said that, I'd like to offer just to be concrete. I think two hours of time in front of a TV screen per day should be a top cap. That's what I try and live out of as a top cap. Um, and that's not a minimum, right? I mean, I, my own experience is on the days where I don't spend any time in front of a screen, those days non-coincidentally are the days where I experience the richest time in prayer and grow in my knowledge the more in, a, in the knowledge of God. Um, but I think just to kind of be concrete, when we look at this sort of 10 hours number, it's like, I think two hours I offer you as a ceiling, as something to try and discipline your own media intake into. And so that's TV. When it comes to radio, I want to just sort of shine light on my own struggle, and maybe some of you relate to this or maybe not, but it's been a decade-long struggle for me between this tension of the relaxation offered by music and the noise that it just perpetually creates. I remember I was driving with my dad when I was, before I could drive, I was only 15, and I was like, Dad, Dad, can we turn the radio on? And he kept saying no, and I was like, why don't you want to listen to music? And he just turned to me and said, why do you always have to fill your world with noise? And I was like haunted to the core, like, because I was, realized it was compulsive. Um, and that's just started this sort of ongoing struggle with um, wanting to like actually sort of embrace the difficulty of silence and learn to pray in the silence versus just constantly having noise to kind of like placate whatever that is that wants to reach for the radio knob. So this is something I still struggle with, but again, direct correlation between the days when I resist hitting on on the radio uh, and I experience more, just more, uh, of the life of God in prayer. So TV, that's radio. There's a, you know, I can kind of go down the list of things where it comes to quantity, but I, I, ask, I invite you to ask the Lord to kind of think about your media quantity and where it comes in. Because for each of us, it's probably different things. And just put it before him and say, Lord, is this, is this honoring you, this quantity of media? And, and let him be your guide uh, for how, what to pair back, uh, if anything. Okay, so that, that's uh, quantity. And I'd like to say a bit about uh, quality as well. Um, and I don't mean, of course, production quality or, or artistic merits. In fact, I think uh, among Christian circles, when I hear those words dra- dragged out, um, it's often used to defend the worst of immoral media. When something's really immorally compromising, well, then it gets praised for its artistic merit. Um, I think we should be judging quality as God defines media quality. And, and this is why he spelled this out for us in Philippians chapter 4, the verse I began with. Brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Hold that up. Um, Even just think about the media you've taken in this last week. If that was your filter, how many things would it actually catch out? I know for me, there are things that that it would catch out. How much of it would pass the test? Um, I think this is the filter we should be using for our media intake. So let me show you a few things I found along the way uh, trying to use this filter. So just for TV and movies, right? Um, I wish it could go without saying, but apparently it still needs to be said. Um, Of course, as Christians, we shouldn't be watching things with adult content. Jesus said that to even think a lustful thought is to commit an adultery. 
but the issue um, of filtering, it's not just sort of maybe these sort of blatantly egregious things that we might sort of recognize. I think it goes deeper than that. Um, I think uh, if a movie has sort of as a part of its plot uh, some sin, which so many movies do, whether it's murder or adultery, the act of watching that movie normalizes that thing for us at the level of our affection. So deeper than our level of rationality, what we take in through media sort of establishes for us what's the normal baseline. Um, and I think so much of it then, so what we're doing is we're allowing heathen Hollywood directors to actually sort of like redirect by degrees our inner moral compass as to just what is normal human life as we watch it in this mirror of television. Um, and yeah, it's not just the, the raunchy movies. I think of all the things that kind of sneak under the thing. I can't tell you the number of people who have told me they like the movie You've Got Mail, which is this ch supposedly charming rom-com based on infidelity. That's like, that's right there at the core. So we're, I think we're not judicious enough at examining, wait, what is this movie saying is just normal? Uh, and analyzing through, through that lens. Um, personally, just to offer like a very practical tip, uh, unless a movie is literally G-rated, I always go on to imdb.com, it's like this big movie database, and they have a parent's guide there, um, where it's meant for parents for like screening a film for your children, but it just lists everything that could quite be like objectionable in a film in very candid detail. And reading that list, and I run it through the Philippians 4 test, like three out of four movies don't pass the test. It's like when you're in the midst of watching a movie in that kind of sensory immersion, it can kind of be kind of foggy, like, oh, should I be watching this? I don't know. It's kind of entertaining. You know, but when you're just reading on a screen, it's like, and then this happens. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to watch that. Um, so you know, just actually be to care enough about our hearts, as Proverbs says, right? Above all else, guard your hearts. To care enough to just spend 30 seconds looking on a database to see if we want to take that into our souls or not. Um, this has meant that though, like, once upon a time in college when I thought I was really into, like, being cool <laughs> and taking a lot more films, which I'd never watch now, now, I think in the last four years, I don't know if I've watched more than two or three R-rated movies um, because they haven't passed that test. Which isn't to say, like, don't watch any R movies, right? But just to be careful, like, well, which are we watching and why? And should we take that in? So, do you see how I'm not trying to set up some law? It'd be so easy to say, never watch an R movie. I, I think that's to sort of treat ourselves like children. I think we should just be judicious. Like, well, what is the, why is it an R? And, and, and to not, you know, I think one of the great things that holds us back morally is this sort of fear of being perceived as a prude. To be like, oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, I, know, I, can, I can handle it, I can watch it. <laughs> no, no, better say, I, I don't want to watch that. Of course I can handle it, but I don't want to. So anyways, I'll, for, I'll offer that for movies. And the same is true uh, for TV. Um, another thing I think is... Um, so often we start a show, or an individual episode, or a series, and there's this thing of like, well, I should just finish it. No, if the Holy Spirit checks your conscience, and it, and it, the, it jammed me up against the Philippians 4 test, just turn it off. And I think that's another thing I, think, um, I want to just offer you as a paradigm. Like, you don't have to finish a show or a series. It happens to me and carry all the time. We start something on Netflix, a couple of episodes in, it goes really blue, we just stop watching it. Um, yeah. So, actually, a couple of months ago, I came home and Carrie had taped onto the remote this little piece of paper, this verse from Psalm 101 that says, I'll set before my eyes no unclean thing. As a reminder for herself, because I think, you know, she had gotten sort of just been dis uh, uh, unhappy with her own TV choices, uh, like the night before, and, and it was a good reminder for me. Like, oh yeah, and, and so that, that's been on our remote. It's such a good idea, it's been so useful, actually. I've actually offered you something, if you flip in your bulletins to the very back page, like the very, very back inside page, you'll see Philippians 4 listed there, 
so you can cut it out. I just have tools to offer you for this endeavor. Um, those are the questions from Philippians 4. I dare you <laughs> to cut these out and stick them on the side of your remote or the top of your laptop or above your radio. Stick them around just to remind yourself, like, oh yeah, is this something I want to be taking in? The, the Lord has gifted great artists with good things that are worth taking in. And for every one of those, there's five things that should be stopped at the door. So, um, yeah, I encourage you just to stick this on your remote and, and uh, may it bless you as it's blessed me. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's, um, there's one more thing I'd like to get specific on in terms of media consumption. Um, and it's not the entertainment media, um, but the, the news media. The, um, the, there was a great theologian in the 20th century called Karl, named Karl Barth, and he famously said that every sermon should be prepared with a Bible in one hand and a New York Times in the other. Um, it's a very popular saying around seminaries, and as you go around the country, um, much preaching is sort of prompted by just attention to current events. Um, you'll notice that that's not my MO here, and that's intentional. Um, while this is a popular saying, um, I've already moved away from it. Once, I, once upon a time, I believed it. I used to read as much news as I could, and I'd read The Economist and all these sort of deep journalism to try and figure out, you know, to stay on top of the news. Um, so it once was important to me, but over the last couple of years, my mind's r- turned 180 degrees on this, and I, I just want to kind of share that journey with you for, you know, for your own uh, sake of discerning about the news, the news media. So... A couple of years ago, I read Ephesians 5.12, which says, It's shameful even to speak about the things that the wicked do in secret. And the light bulb that kind of went off me is like, how much of the news is speaking about what the wicked do in secret? It's like the news principle. Um, all the public moral scandals, all the details that get poured over, just the, really another rephrasing of the Philippians 4 test. Is it just? Is it pure? Is it honorable? I think how much of the news do we read passes, uh, how much of it passes that test? But that didn't change my mind alone. Um, you know, I'm still a young man, but even just following the news for maybe like uh, five or six years, I started to see that it's really just on this like two-year cycle. There's always some disease that's going to wipe everybody out, some politician who's morally failing, some big domestic economic issue, and it just all runs through different names, right? And you who've been watching the news for decades will have even more examples. But I mean, I just started realizing when they started saying, be scared about this new disease, I was like, wait, so it's... SARS, West Nile, bird flu, Ebola, like, you've already, you keep telling me to be frightened we're all going to die, and that hasn't happened, so just seeing this sort of repetitive nature of the news cycle, and that it's sort of so anxiety-producing, that it's just always trying to keep up this furor of, be worried, bad things are happening, bad things are coming, just without end. But even that didn't get me to stop the news cycle. Um, it wasn't until, and really I'm speaking about like the last, the last 12 months, this has kind of finally crystallized for me, it was the recognition that, um, you know, I, I sort of kept, kept staying in this sort of news cycle, thinking that, well, I need to be informed as a global citizen. These are real people suffering. I need to be compassionate. Like, these kind of were my explicit motives for staying in touch with the news. But I started to notice the pattern of news watching uh, in my life and in the lives of others. And it became clear that it's not the pattern of compassion, but the pattern of, of obsession. Right? It's first thing in the morning, morning show, lunch break, check the, net, check the internet, dinner, evening time, evening news, you know, comedy news on the late night shows. Like, it's just like this um, obsessive like checking through the day. 
I think uh, it had nothing to do with genuine care, but it was for others, but it was just that sort of, I think, information in our information age becomes like a fix. We're like, oh, I need more. Give, give me my shot. I need to know what's going on. And, and stay in control. And it's interesting to me that the place where men and women once upon a time used to pray, right? First thing in the morning, last thing at night. That, now that's filled by news. That's interesting to me that it's actually taken over the same time slot. Um, so I've actually become convinced, and this is not a popular opinion, but I'm convinced as Christians we need to untether from the news cycle. And here I'm not just blasting mainstream news, also alternate news. Any news, we need to unplug from this rigorous, from the uh, cycle of anxiety. And, and I think when we do, my experience has been that so many things I thought I was getting from the news were just illusions, just smoke in the air. You know, that watching the news and forming an opinion about something is not the same as actually engaging for the good of the world. It feels like it is, but they're actually different. And that compassion is actually deadened by unceasing headlines, not made more sensitive. There was a, um, a philosopher uh, in the 19th century called Søren Kierkegaard, and um, he, in his day, it was very popular, it was the very beginning of the abstinence movement from alcohol. Um, uh, and he said that be far greater than the need for a society that abstains from alcohol would be a society that abstains from the news. That's interesting. That's a refreshing perspective to me uh, in light of the prevalent spirit of our day. So just again, practically for myself, I try and limit myself to the five top headlines of the day and spend no more than five minutes on it. So it's not just eating up just these huge chunks of time. Um, so maybe that's even too much. Maybe it is... Um, uh, but that's what I've tried to set in place to not get sucked into a world which is not pure or lovely or honorable or commendable um, and that I shouldn't be filling my mind with. So uh, whatever it is, radio, TV, news, um, I offer you these things as kind of my own journey, um, actually, which is what Paul does, right, in Philippians 4. He lists that thing and he says, you know, use my own example as a pattern for figuring out your own ex- life. Uh, so I, I'm not saying I've done these things right. Maybe I've overstated or understated certain things, surely. Um, but I offer it as a, as a pattern. Um, I hope that you, that you do stick to that Philippians 4 on some of your devices, uh, and that that does lead to us as a parish kind of stepping away from these national averages of 10 hours of media and, and really increases the quality as well. Uh, and that through this increased carefulness of what comes into our, our eyes and our ears, that we would, um, we would experience it like, as if we were stopping pouring poison into the well of living water, that you would experience a, a, a new vibrancy in God and a real thirst for him uh, that you didn't even know was being dampened by media intake. Uh, that's my hope and my prayer for you uh, from this text, from this sermon. That from this we would be, uh, as Christians, at uh, the Good Shepherd, that um, we become more real that in an increasingly unreal age, people would meet us and they'd be like, whoa, you're like living on a more solid plane. What's happening? Uh, I think media is a big part of that. And that God would get the glory uh, as a result of these small, small, each one is insignif- almost insignificant in itself, but these small daily choices which, which add up to being, um, giving our souls room to, to reach out to God and be blessed by him with the blessing he has to give us. That we would together dwell only on that which is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and and worthy of praise. Amen.